Do the it. Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. Big Barker therapeutic dog beds. Get yours right now at bigbarker.com slash Ricky. Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. The Colony Meadery, the official gluten-free booze made from honey of the process. And Kinetic Skateboard Shop. Get 9.1% off your first order with promo code Dave Silver. On the show today, Sam Hankey is bored. And wants some help with his side projects. We will talk about them. The Sports Illustrated Top 100 came out, and there are four Sixers on that list. Five. Talk about uh, there are five. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, there Who, are five. Which there one are you forgetting? I don't know. We'll see. All yeah. right. Stay tuned to find out. And JJ Reddick on Zach Lowe's podcast. And the Sixers are all back in town because the live Ricky is Saturday, and they all want to be in town for it. Without any further ado, here is Run the Jewels. We are the murderers there. That went to jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then went to hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have power to push. Now I smoke pounds of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Step into the spotlight. Welcome to the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who is only paying half attention, maybe because the Eagles are on in the background. I actually don't know that to be true. Wildly that true. Is Mike Levin. What's that? It's wildly true. Very true. Okay. I do not have them on in the background. I'm going to have to. My wife is out of town for the day, so I'm going to just watch it. I'll watch the uh, second half when we're done, and then I'll catch up on what i missed not going uh, well today. crazy game just a crazy yeah. wild game i'm still mad about they lose they lose the bucks in oh three yeah it would have been yes yep it was the last game in the in the vet i think no it was panthers in oh three. Oh, panthers you're it right, right. it was the year before that yeah, yeah. i yep. i've talked about this before but i have in after the eagles lost to the bucks i was so distraught i was in i think it was in eighth grade I uh, broke up with my girlfriend. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. <laughs> couldn't be in a relationship. I had, to, I had to spend some time alone. And then I That's proceeded awesome. to, I think, not kiss a girl for three years after that. That was the Bucks curse. Uh, it's it was overrated. Tough. Yeah. High school the, was, was rough for a few years. Okay, back to the podcast. Yeah, back to the podcast. It's funny. People are going to hear that, and I think I'm just going to release this one on Monday morning because everyone's preoccupied today. So you're hearing this a day after we record it. Speaking of uh, of breaking up with your girlfriend because of sports, I did a. I was sitting around yesterday. I had about an hour, so I decided to do a uh, a Reddit. I just did an AMA on Reddit, and one of the people asked me. Why do we care about sports so much? And oh, uh, no it's idea. funny. Yeah. Well, I said we're just killing time waiting to die, which I think is partially true. But mm. it really is interesting that you would. I mean, it's not surprising. Um, if I had a girlfriend uh, when I was younger, I would have broken up with them because of a bad sports. But we do take it awfully seriously. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Yeah. I would recommend everyone turn this podcast right off. No, that's the thing is if it if it was any other team but the Sixers because we are invested in this beyond anyone and anyone's ever been invested in anything. Yeah, I think. Yeah, we because have a lot we're of part of it. We have we have skin yeah. in the game. We are 
all skin. Our whole skin is filled with Sixers. It's our largest organ. And we are the beating heart of that skin. I feel good about that one. One other thing that... It's another t-shirt. Everyone always says, takes quotes. That's another t-shirt. One other, one other theme that happened during the AMA was a few people mentioned, hey, so Reddit, I, 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 let me take you back a few months, several months, when the Markel Fultz thing was a point of contention. And there was the, it's a shoulder versus the, it's not a shoulder thing. Hmm. Was it a shoulder? And, yeah. And if you were in, it's not the shoulder thing, which we both were, it was... You fell, you, there was some hate out there. There's some anger. And Reddit was one of those places where it was like people swore they would never listen to the podcast again because of what we said. <clears throat> and there were, there were people that said yesterday, well, it seems like it wasn't the shoulder. And it does seem like there, and one of my responses, and I mentioned this when we were talking about mental health, is that, you know, I think it is interesting and not surprising, but interesting that. We all think it's fine if it was the shoulder, but not fine if it's not the shoulder. But it it does seem like everyone is finally on the same page that that after after a long time everyone was like, huh, you know, maybe it wasn't the shoulder. So maybe yeah. we're all in the same place finally. Yes. Everyone it's there's been enough things trickling out where everyone was like, Well, we don't know what it is. It's it was injury and then it's like it was an injury and also some like, you know, he's going through some stuff and then it was I feel like everyone's pretty much at this point been like he had he was going through he had, there was yips, there was uh, you know, it was uh, inexplainable, like that kind of stuff. It's like, come on guys. If it was the shoulder, people would just have said it was the shoulder. There's no reason not to say it was the shoulder. Injuries yeah. happen. That's fine. This is uh different. Different. <laughs> different. Different for sure. Before we get going, the Willie Green five-star Apple podcast review. Mike, we're at 1,814 on the way to 2,000. It does seem like 2,000 is within our reach. Of course, when that happens, I will read all of the reviews from 1,000 to 2,000 and put it on a podcast. Again, some people did listen to that podcast. Most did not. Today's review comes from Philsman34. The... Uh, review is, this is definitely not Jack Fritz. And the subject line is, Jack Fritz should have been in the Process Hall of Fame Congress. So hmm. um, it was a Process Hall of Fame committee. He had another strike against Jack Fritz yeah. and his inclusion in anything. So Jack will be uh, the stage manager for the Live Ricky on Saturday night. I believe you I said have... you're giving him another shot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, he really... He really fucked up at the lottery party. I thought he, he did a great job. Well, I asked him to do one thing. Make sure the guests are there when we need them. And we went for our first guest, and they weren't there. And he goes, he had to go to the bathroom. What did you want me to do? And my answer to that, I don't know, prevent him from going to the bathroom. Mm. So uh, so the Sixers are back in town, uh, most of them. Dario is not back in town. as He's not coming over until Saturday, but... He is playing uh, internationally, and I believe he'll be back in town on uh, Monday or Tuesday. Corkmas too, right? Corkmas as well, yep. So now, like, you had, and we'll get to the Jimmy Butler thing later on, but as, like, the main part of the offseason ended, you were still be- between hopeful and uh, 
whatever it was, you thought there was still more to come. It appears as if at this point there is not more to come. So looking back on the offseason, I guess, with everyone in town and these looking like the guys that we're rolling with, how do you feel about the offseason in general? Well, aside from a rigorous GM search, there's (laughs) – no, I think – I. I think everybody gets impatient all the time. They won 52 games last year, but it was kind of a fake 52. Uh, the yep. last 16 were uh, great, and, but I I think this more realistically, this team was not was almost a 50 win team. I think that's as uh, in terms of production. But watching these guys get better, the, the thing that matters is Embiid and Simmons. Like that's we've been saying that for a while. Uh, this is their first healthy off season. That alone matters so much more than who's the GM, how many burners were Brian versus Barbara, uh, any, you know, Bialica weirdness, which we just kind of forgot about. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I think the Wilson Chandler thing is going to help. Uh, it's not like there were a ton of... Aside from Kawhi, nobody, like, changed teams that was available this offseason. Um, I did legitimately think that because LeBron's production company approached me about doing a Ben Simmons show that LeBron was going to come to Philadelphia. I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. I thought how well, good... Well, at least how, we're being open cool, and honest. Yeah, yeah, what a cool chapter in the process that would have been. Yep. If I... Co-host of Right Ricky Sanchez podcast brings LeBron to Philly. That would have been fun. Uh, yep. Didn't happen. Did nope. not. Um... But no, I think I, I, they, we'll we'll get to the Zach Lowe podcast with JJ. But I think the team's really good. They're they're a, clearly a top three team in the East, uh, depending on how things shake out, whether it's health or just improvement. Um, they could rise up from that. They're going to have a shot at getting to the Eastern Conference Finals and maybe the finals. Like I, this season, it would have been nice had they gone and got somebody but i think there were a lot of things outside of their control that made that not the case so i'm i'm pretty i, th- I think it was a pretty good off season uh it's it's again again in the vein of of the like don't fuck up um which i think just goes to show how much i value how well good of a job sam did when he was here they were they were in such good position that for three years the don't fuck up mantra has just kind of worked out. Um, I still believe in Fultz, so we'll see. But um, yeah, I mean, they're going to be without. It's you know, isn't it good? Aren't, aren't we in in good shape compared to a lot of other people? Well, I think uh, so. I think mostly this, aside from the non-existent fake sham uh, GM search and ownership being held hostage by Brian Colangelo's underlings and Brett Brown, aside from that part of the offseason to the side, I really... You, wait, you think, think, you think ownership, is be- ownership is being held hostage by those guys? Well, w- what other excuse is there? I mean, what other... Uh, saying that you're, you're going to interview uh, the top assistants in the NBA, but you would prefer that they keep your already in place staff says to me that something is weird. I, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe they don't, maybe they just don't, 
care enough to not be held hostage by it and don't feel like having a bad, like a difficult conversation with somebody. But, but saying that you are, you're doing a GM search, but they have to keep your staff is not really a GM search. So I agree. I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame those guys though. Well, maybe, I, maybe not those guys specifically, but I, I don't know that, when the process 30 for 30 comes out, maybe there will be more that comes out about all this. But the uh, so I think most of the, for lack of a better word, failures of this offseason are an indictment on Brian Colangelo and what he did. I think a lot of what he did was I'm just going to not do anything until this one offseason and throw all my eggs in that that free agency basket. This current offseason that we're in. Correct. Yeah. And. And and then he started, remember, I almost thought that he got the message that LeBron wasn't coming here because he started hedging and pushing toward the 2019 offseason, toward the end of the, the if you remember, there was like a sort of disagreement at a press conference as Brian Colangelo started talking about 2019 and Brett started talking about right now, them needing a star right now. Hmm. But I think he put all of the eggs into the free agency basket and we saw what a really like not a great basket that is unless you are in los angeles or or you know not only are you in los angeles but there's a guy that wants to go there Mm -hmm. you know already so i think that was a really bad plan from him i think the the draft day trade was good i thought everything else was sort of like meh i i would have i don't know i They've they've not found I would say that the one the biggest criticism of the last several years is not finding more creative ways to use cap space and the last two off seasons. Mm-hmm. So I wish maybe there was there that there. But overall, given the situation they were in and the the limitations that they had, I, I think a a B minus grade is fair. Yeah. You know, I, I think it was a, it was a difficult off season. I, I feel I feel B minus about the off season. I feel A to A minus about going forward. Is how is how I'll say it. GM yeah. search regardless, yeah. so just like the the way the team is set up. I really do think Wilson Chandler's gonna help. I think mm-hmm. uh if you roll out say Foltz is healthy, I know that's a a, a lot a big say, but if Foltz is playing and good at least decent, even 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 if you know, and if one of Fultz or Simmons has like is can shoot thirty percent from deep, which is not a huge ask from an NBA player, but would be different for both of them going forward. Uh, then you can run out a lineup of Fultz, Chandler, Covington, Simmons, Embiid, and that can be your we need lockdown defense, end of game stuff. And that is a switchable, athletic, out in transition with a couple guys kick, that can shoot off the catch. That's good. I think that helps. I know it's not super exciting for uh, what we were expecting this offseason or how much we were, were you're, you know, you're paying uh, Wilson Chandler. But I feel pretty good about it. I, I like JJ back. Uh, we'll see about how much, if any, role Jonah Bolden will have or, or Shake or... Uh, Landry Shamit, or if if Zaire can get healthy, but like the team looks good and it's starting to get, you're starting to see, are they still one big guy away? And we can talk about Jimmy Butler. Yeah, probably unless unless Fultz takes a huge leap and all that stuff. 
But I, I mean, I just it's, it's hard to look at the team and not feel good about it. Is what I'm saying. Well, it, even if even if Fultz takes a huge leap this year, he isn't that guy this year. Like they, like even if if everything goes well, he's he's basically a rookie this year. So mm-hmm. now that but that does change the the math for the next five years mm-hmm. a million percent. Uh, you know, one thing that we saw in some of the arrivals for Sixers is TJ hugging everyone. Uh, he said he's a best. hugger. Is is that surprising to you that TJ is a hugger? No. No, no. <laughs> Did I, I hugged uh, him, didn't I? Yeah, I hugged him. Yeah. I hugged yeah, him big time. Absolutely. He, he, so somebody in that Reddit AMA said that he, they had met him recently at a client event or something, and they had asked him about the live Ricky, and he said what a great time he had, but if, if he ever gets to do it again, he will do. He will be more tame in his approach, which <laughs> is wrong, TJ. That is wrong. Do not be more tame. Yeah, that's be, a mistake. Be exactly like you are. Anything besides anything as as camp is Saturday, start Saturday as uh, the live Ricky is Saturday night. Tickets are available at rightsrickysanchez.com. Darius Sarge will be there. Any big? What is the big sort of question aside from Markel? Let's put Markel to the side. What is the big lingering, I'm excited to see this once they start practicing in preseason question for you? Interesting. A question that I have? Well, I would, just like, here's what I want to see. I would, I would have loved to see how they use Zaire. That would have been my number one. Um, I do think I'll be back in the next two months or so, December-ish. Um, what am I looking for? I want to. I want to see if how Ben and Joel work together, and if they can uh, if they can spread the court enough to be successful with shooters around them, and you know alternate possessions about who's going to the post, and if they can run pick and rolls together, and uh, any diving to the basket, they're just so valuable and so weaponized that it's really uh, there's going to be. There's so many options there. Now that they're healthy for an offseason, I, I, I hope that, that that Brett can use that to his advantage and really find different ways to be successful there with Cove coming around screens and JJ setting screens and then popping out and uh, Korkmaz and Dario and all that stuff. That's my number one, Can how uh, Embiid and Simmons work with each other. I'd agree. I, you know, there's the obvious, is Ben going to shoot, blah, blah, blah. But I am curious to see Embiid with an offseason of playing basketball. You know, this is mm-hmm. the first one he's had since he's been in the NBA where he can just work on his skills. He's healthy, work on his conditioning, which obviously was a problem in the playoffs last year for a couple of reasons. One, just because of conditioning, but two, because of the face injury, I think, caused him. So I'm, I'm excited to see Joel just as a an in-shape, normal basketball player. That's mm-hmm. exciting to me. So Yeah. It's... Bef- uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. No, I was going to go on to the next thing. So I was already going to do the, do the rankings, but let's, let's wait to that. Okay. So before we get to the rankings and J.J. Redick on Zach Lowe's podcast, let's talk about our sponsor, Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. Of course, we're talking about Adam Cornblow. Mike, would you mind if I read a, a, an email we received about Cornblow? I would love that. Adam Cornblow is my new attorney crush. 
Hmm. Um, For all of his efforts, I'm going to skip the middle part because I don't want to give the details of the case. For all of his efforts, I bought tickets to attend a live pod on the 22nd because I need to shake this man's hand and give him a hug. Though I haven't, I don't have the settlement check yet. I feel Adam's willingness to help brought my case from settling at $2,000 to over $17,000. I don't know the logistics of buying an advertisement on the pod, but if I can do that or make a charitable donation in honor of Adam and the Cornblow firm, I want to. Can I do a two-for-one and make a charitable donation and an advertisement on them? Regardless, I'm not sure how much they usually donate and to which charity, but I need your guidance on that part. That huh. is... the. Yeah, I mean, somebody who is so impressed with how Cornblow works and just the t- kind of guy he is that they want to take an advertisement out on the podcast just to thank him. There you go. There it was, free of charge. But I'll send you a bill. I, wow. I, I'll, yeah, well, I mean, that's how it works. Uh, <laughs> look, Cornblow and Cornblow has been operating the Delaware Valley since the 80s. They are the area's premier boutique personal injury law firm. They specialize in medical malpractice, but as uh, as our emailer pointed out, it's not just medical malpractice, any sort of personal injury. He cares, and he is obsessed with getting you what you deserve, getting you the biggest settlement possible, and doing the right thing and making you feel good during the entire process. Two pieces of advice. If you're in an accident or you get hurt, don't lie. Don't be a hero. Just get Cornblow. If you think you might have a case, give him a call, shoot him an email. You get a Cornblow. Costs you nothing. 215-576-7200. S for Adam. Or email Cornblow at Cornblow and Cornblow.com. Cornblow is spelled with a K. The and is spelled out A-N-D. And the rest is up to you. So what do you want to do next? You want to do the Top 100 or JJ Reddick on Zach Lowe's podcast? Uh, let's do Reddick. He talked to, uh, the, there were some interesting parts of, yep. the, of the podcast. I thought, I thought it was, he's always well, well-spoken and, uh, has interesting things to say. And I think he does a good job of, of talking about the team without, while giving like actual information without just being so, uh, rote and yes, obvious. like players are want to be. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Um, I did find it find it interesting that he was that he said uh, they a lot in referring to the Sixers. Did you find yeah, that did, interesting? Did we did we come across that separately as because I thought the same thing. I, oh yeah, he did it. It's it right there in my list, and I I uh, mentioned it to friend of the podcast Amos Lee earlier this week. He, I heard it. And he didn't just do it once or twice, and he didn't just do it talking about the front office either. Right. Because I think one time he did it when mm-hmm. he was talking about negotiations. He said it like a lot. Yeah, it um, was it was a pointed decision that he's going to say that, which I get. I mean, he's on one year deals. He's on two back to back one year deals. Uh, he talked about how close he was to leaving the team, but he also was honest about how much he enjoyed and wanted to be there, and how he took a little bit less money to to play for the Sixers, not the Pacers. Um, I don't think it's like bad that he said they. I just thought it was interesting. Maybe he's mm. maybe that's just like he knows that it's maybe he's so it's a business. I don't have control. I'm not going to say we and make myself part of the decision making apparatus or tie myself to whatever happened with the ownership GM anything. I here's what I will say. Like we don't have this is the moment where we can stop pretending 
because we do this in all sports that we want to convince ourselves the players want to be here because they want to be here. Mm-hmm. JJ, and I, I don't have anything against JJ Redick, although I will say a couple of things. First of all, most, not just athletes, most people, including you and I, the less you hear from them, the better. <laughs> and Listen to the podcast. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know... I don't need, I think the more J.J. Redick talks, the less I want to hear him talk. And that isn't that he isn't insightful and doesn't have, um, isn't honest, none of those things. But I think to some extent, the players, like, you want to have an ideal of who they are and how they feel about the team. Mm -hmm. And this is the moment where we can stop convincing ourselves that J.J. Redick is here because he likes being with the Sixers. J.J. Redick is here because we paid him a lot, and it is close to where his family lives. Why can't it be both? Well, I just—nobody says they on the team. Like, nobody. And I don't need to hear—you know, it's funny, like, he was on—forget what podcast he was on. Maybe, oh, it was on his own podcast. He was talking about how he was just minutes from signing with the Rockets and then Brian Colangelo called him and offered him a bunch of money. Pacers. No, no, no. Last time, when he signed here the first time, he talked about the Rockets not being willing to give him a fourth year, offered him three years and 36. And he he was just, he was going into the meeting and Brian Colangelo called him. And then there's this time where it's like, oh my God, I'm so close to signing with the Pacers. And it's like, I, I don't need you doing your negotiating for next offseason, this offseason, and how much everyone's offering you. And I would rather he say we rather than they. I, I mean, it's his team. He's on the team, and he was on the team last year. I don't know. I know I'm taking this a little bit personally, but I, I just think we all need to be really clear about you know, some guys are mercenaries, and he is a mercenary, and um, I am not attached to him in the least, and uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think I think he's – I think there's a little bit – I think that's a little bit of a – I don't know if you're going to get offended, but I'm, I'm trying – it's not an intentional offense. This is just how – it's a little bit of a talk radio take, a little bit of a from here, our town take, but like he – you know, he, it's a business. It's a business from ownership to players, and it's a business from players to ownership. He, Of course he's a mercenary. He's been on a bunch of different teams. He's just the, the fact that he's still getting big money this late in his career. There's not that many guys that can say they're 34 that aren't, like, top 10, 15 players in the league that are still getting these kinds of contracts. Um, I, I think he's just... To me, I found it interesting. I didn't, I didn't take offense to it. I... I just thought that's interesting that his that his view of of things is they do this I'm hired to play I want the team to win I care about the team I like being here but you know it is what it is Yeah I I uh I just it's it's just a little weird a little weird especially here's in in the context of him and I had heard from someone that not that he is an a, like a non-veteran presence not that he's bad but just that he isn't like super outgoing and willing in that respect like mm-hmm. people don't look to him i think the same way they look to a mirror as a 
veteran presence in the locker room. Um, he is not that, I don't think. And he saying they, whether he's here this year or two years or five years, it is the guys he was on the team with last year and the guys he'll be on the team with this year. And I don't know. I thought it was something. I, I know somebody's going to skewer us for, or skewer me. You're, you're being reasonable. I'm being more. And it's, it, it, I, don't, I think it's opposite of from here. And I'm, I'm, nobody is confused that this is a business. It's when they, it's, or some people are. I, I think my point is, let's be honest about like his specific place in this. Right. That's all. But when people talk about the Sixers, even, even the way he talks about the Sixers, it's like, you know, the core two and then three and then you can open that up to your Covington and Dario if that's if that's what you want to you know he's not sure he doesn't he doesn't include himself in that he's not including yeah. Wilson Chandler or TJ it's like I think everyone just that's the the cool part about this team and I think there were I the only guy I can think of from last year who, who maybe didn't get it or didn't quite see how things go or was just unhappy with his role is Rashawn I think everybody else is basically of the idea, we know what this is. We know who matters. We know what our roles are. And we're going to uh, handle that. And and it worked out. The, the collection of guys in the locker room was, you know, uh, successful. And Brett coached them well and, and managed the locker room well. And everybody was seemed reasonably happy. There was no real blow-ups aside from, no real blow-ups at all. But you could tell that Rashawn wasn't pumped yeah um and I, so i think everyone just everyone just kind of gets it he's like you know i'm just trying to have a career i'm trying to do this thing they as in sixers ownership sixers future i i don't know if i'm a part of it but you know i think he would say we the team like we the players and coaching staff kind of thing that that feels like a we but they as in what the sixers organization is going to do that i get i mean i get it uh zach Lowe asked about simmons and Embiid. We talked about that last week, and I always think it's telling when his response is, well, not everybody on the team has to be best friends. I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> that's sort of the response that that I, I think is indicative of what we said last time, and not that there's enormous problems anywhere, but those two aren't hanging out all yeah. the time. Um, but isn't that, They isn't, noticeably yeah. aren't hanging out. I would definitely want them. I mean— I feel like I've said this before. Mark Marin always asks, always wants to know, like, why aren't these actors from the '60s best friends with each other? I think you have the people that you're friends with, and then you have the people you work with. I'm not friends with everybody I work with. You're not friends with everybody you work with. It. I think there has to be a relationship between the those two. You know, the two Sha- best Shaq and Kobe, Katie and Russ, yeah. all that stuff. And and. If there gets to be a point where there's any sort of blow up, whether it's on court or off court, then then that's a problem. But for them to just not be actively hanging out and on each other's Instagrams or whatever, I think that's like isn't that kind of just fine and how how it goes? Do you see like Jimmy Butler yeah. and Carl Towns doing it? I mean, I guess that's not a good example because they're, they're <laughs> it's not a doing really it. horrible example. But like, I mean, are are like <laughs> Hayward and Kyrie are they are they doing stuff together? I don't know. No, but everyone thinks Kyrie is leaving. Uh, I I think I think if they you you mentioned Katie and Russ and who is the other one you mentioned Shaq and Kobe Shaq and Kobe I think if they can complement each each other better on the court it could take the place of being close off the court I think 
I would like them to have a some sort of tie to each other in terms of whether it is their career or personally or something, given that we want them to spend the next decade together. Yeah. And I think if they're able to find a way on the court, aside from both being talented, but if they are able to find a way to specifically make each other better, I will care less about the fact that you know Ben Simmons was at the Drake concert with five other Sixers and one of them wasn't Embiid. You mm-hmm. know, like I, that, That I think, them the, going their own ways during the offseason and not hanging out will matter less. But I think they need, you know, one thing about Russ and Durant is they never really complimented each other on the court. They were both wildly talented. Right. And having two wildly talented guys on the court helps. But, like, their success was pretty independent of the other guy in a lot of ways. So... That's why I hope their their on-court development is is more. Yeah, and I do think that they will. I think Katie and Russ were such isolation players, and I, obviously Embiid and Simmons can do that. Uh, but I think that they, I just in terms of skill set in a vacuum, I do think that those things can coexist better than Katie isolation, Russ isolation, back and forth. Before we get to the Sports Illustrated Top 100, let's talk about our other sponsor for this podcast, the original sponsor of the Rights Ricky Sanchez podcast, L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers. Mike, big announcement, huge announcement. I don't know if we were planning to do this, but you know, we have remarked that you will be doing the adduction speech for the pick swap at the live pod. Correct. I just did the lip thing. I didn't mean to do it. Yeah. You've done it a few times. It's okay, though. Uh I, I got a wet doing, mouth. Yep. I will be doing the Joel Embiid speech. That is unless, of course, he decides to show up. And inducting the hinky billboard into the Process Hall of Fame will be one L.L. Pavorsky and one Adam Kornblau. Wow. The first two sponsors of the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast, of course, L.L. being the first. Boy, that is going to be just a very strange moment. Talk about Katie and Russ. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, I have rented a, well, it's your money too. We have rented a podium to do those speeches at. It was <laughs> well worth the money, I think. Uh, a podium only costs 150 bucks to rent. It's really not that big a deal. So, uh, L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, the official, the, the first, the official jeweler of the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast. We haven't heard of any new rings since 100, which is sort of curious. Is he done counting? Does it just not, go back to the beginning? <laughs> I don't know. He has to find out if I am marrying that couple as I volunteered to do that for right. the 100th. What, wait, wasn't, weren't you supposed to marry somebody else? Well, I was supposed to marry the, the couple that got married at the lottery, that engaged at the lottery party, but they, they like, they can't, they postponed the date and I haven't heard anything from them. Mm. Alan and Chandler, everyone's waiting on you. Do we think that they... Broke up, or do they think they are bailing on you because they don't? They've turned on you. They didn't break up, according to social media. But I think maybe they're crisis actors hired by LL Pavorsky Jewelers. <laughs> I don't know. So LL, uh, with aside from all the jokes, LL uh, buying jewelry. Look, uh, engagement rings are expensive. You don't really know what you're looking at. You gotta have somebody that you trust. That's why LL Pavorsky Jewelers is where you gotta go. Any jewelry but uh, specifically engagement rings and if you're a rights ricky sanchez listener he's going to give you the special engagement ring box 
for your proposal that's going to slip inside your pocket very easily is not going to show no one's going to see that it's there he's just absolutely the best if you want to buy an engagement ring from ll make a an appointment before you go over there so he can find out everything that you want everything that you need and have it all set up for you when you walk in call 215-627-2252 the store is at 707 walnut in philly the website is llpavorsky.com and for every podcast ll makes generous donations to coded by kids and the providence animal center who will both be on site for the live ricky great ll pavorsky jewelers two for one deal wedding band and crisis actor that's a good one. So we have two things left, and we'll have uh, we'll have AU on for the the Sam Hinkie portion of because he's got a relatively hot take uh, that I don't know yet, but he's got a a hot one about the Hinkie side projects. We have Jimmy Butler a little bit too, and but we have the SI Top 100 came out SI Top 100 done by Ben Golliver and Rob Mahoney. If you will remember last year. The huge controversy that we started was that Robert Covington was ranked about 30 positions behind Jay Crowder. Covington, I believe, was in the 80s or something. This year, Covington at 48 and Crowder in the 90s. Hmm. Ben Golliver yet to apologize publicly for being wrong, yet to know what in a vacuum actually means, as he used it several times in the article and also on his podcast with Andrew Sharp. You said five Sixers. I've got Dario. Oh, Covington. That's why. Hmm. JJ, Dario, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Robert Covington, all on the list. So what I thought we could do is go over each guy and the guy a few before and a few after and feel like, say, whether we think that's in the right spot. Does that work for you? That sounds great. Okay, so the first one is J.J. Redick at 62. 66 until 62 are Aaron Gordon, Tobias Harris, Yusuf Nurkic, and Jonas Valanciunas. And then right ahead, J.J. Redick, Lou Williams, Nikola Mirotic, Harrison Barnes, and Jeff Teague. It's so weird because, I mean, the idea of just better. J.J. is very clearly a role player. Yes. Very clearly. Not as talented as Aaron Gordon. Not as talented as Miles Turner, I guess. Right. Overall. And and pretty much at the very least, not a positive on defense. Can can slip can be average and works hard to be not a liability. But I I don't know. I don't know I don't know how I mean I know the they, they do the rankings and it gets the clicks and you do what you gotta do, but to, to some, in some respect, it's just this is so pointless. <laughs> but, yeah, but I'm ready whatever. to get mad at it. Uh, yeah. I I think Aaron Gordon is is a probably more valuable player on an NBA team than JJ Redick, or or like has I don't know should yeah, be. It's one of it's it's one of those things where I'm sure the advanced metrics, given that the teams that they were on and their roles, mm-hmm. favor Redick over somebody like Aaron Gordon, sure. and uh, and. In general, I think he's sort of in the right spot, uh, given how uh, how how good he'll. This is a weird list, mm-hmm. and that's why Ben likes to say in a vacuum. But you can't judge basketball players in a vacuum because it's five on five. Mm-hmm. So, but I think you could say how many teams could JJ Redick help? Would he be good on? And almost every team, you know. Whereas Aaron Gordon, we're not totally sure what he is. 
it feels about right, I think, to be in the Lou Williams. Now, I would I would say that Jeff Teague is should be behind all of those guys, but but it feels about right to me for Reddick. Yeah. Okay. So Sarich is at 54. 58, as I just mentioned, is Jeff Teague. 57, Ricky Rubio. 56, Joe Ingles. 55, Jamal Murray. 54, Dario Sarich. Right ahead of Dario are Eric Bledsoe, Chris Depps, Porzingis, Derek fucking Favors, and Devin Booker. Favors seems kind of crazy that he's there. Uh, yeah, it's wrong. It's Jamal Murray wrong. seems kind of low. Um, but again, a guy that doesn't really play much in the way of defense. But neither does Dario yet, although I believe in him becoming a defender. Chris Tapps also seems kind of low to me. Well, they now you have to remember, they take injury into account when they mm. feel like it. So clearly, <laughs> sure, sure. In, in this case, they felt like it with Chris Tapps. And it, I, it seems, given all of the reports, that Porzingis will, will miss like half the season. So... Mm-hmm. You know, you can only be so good and so valuable if you're only playing half the season, right? So, uh, but it it just seems to me like, I don't know. I, I know Golliver doesn't like Devin Booker that much, but Devin Booker's like w- way better than some of these guys too. So overall, I think having Dario at 54 is a huge compliment to Dario. Yeah, I, I agree. I object to the list, but I will get mad about individual instances still. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert Covington, as we mentioned, at 48, a huge jump. Favors at 51, Booker at 50, Eric Gordon at 49, Jalen Brown, one spot ahead of Robert Covington at 47. Pointed. Andre Andre Drummond at 46, Goran Dragic at 45, Gary Harris at 44. Uh, Andre Drummond should be way lower, I think. Lower is and worse. Worse. Eric Gordon seems to me to be about as valuable as Covington. Yeah. Because he, he's obviously, Covington's way better defensively, but Eric Gordon is really good offensively. Yeah. I, I love Covington as much as anybody, but Jalen Brown one spot ahead of him. <laughs> I don't know. I think Jalen Brown's really good. That seems a little crazy. He is good, but he's still not, I would say he's still not, quite the defender Covington is and I think that there is no no I don't think so uh offensively he's obviously have has a ton of skills but the consistency level and putting it together level and and also is Boston like the place for him to to do that kind of stuff he's kind of he's in a role player role but with with a lot more upside and I think occasionally takes bad shots um so I would like I would love for Jalen Brown to not be on the Celtics for him to go somebody else, somewhere else where he can be the guy, and also we don't have to deal with him on the Celtics anymore. I think he's good, but I think I think any higher than forty-seven for Jalen Brown at this point would be overdoing it. Just seems like he's way better than Andre Drummond. That's all. So maybe the the more of the problem is having Drummond at forty-six. Yeah, I mean it's tough. I mean Valanciunas was at sixty-three. Like Derek Favors at fifty-one. These these sort of stationary center types that occasionally, you know, Drummond protects the rim and, and gets a shit ton of rebounds. But what else? Do, I mean, I'm excited to see him with not Stan Van Gundy. I like Dwayne Casey as a coach better. Um, 
like what team would pick would want to have Andre Drummond on their team more than Jalen Brown or Covington? I would say I would say almost none. None. More more Brown. None. I I could see people wanting Drummond over Covington, but I would say over Brown at least for the at least for the future. I I would say essentially none. So the next sixer at 26 is Ben Simmons. And we'll get to the fact that there was a massive uh, difference in ranking between Simmons and Embiid, which I agree with. I don't know if uh, Mr. TV over there agrees with him, but uh, I definitely do. So Ben is at 26, Kevin Love at 31, DeMar DeRozan at 30, Drew Holiday 29, Chris Middleton 28, Bradley Beal 27, then Ben, then right ahead of Ben Simmons, Gordon Hayward, John Wall, Kyle Lowry, Clay Thompson, LaMarcus Aldridge. You know, for a second-year player to be the 26th best player in the NBA mm-hmm. is pretty impressive. I Clearly, LaMarcus Aldridge is ranked wrong. Uh, there's no I don't one know. They were, in the NBA. They were good last year. How are the Spurs good? If he's not, if he's I, not very good, how are the Spurs not good? I agree with you. I hate watching LaMarcus teams, Aldridge play. But if, they're not, if he's not good, how are they, how are they so good last year? How many teams would rather have LaMarcus Aldridge than Clay Thompson? None. Yeah, no I mean, teams. I guess maybe that's, that's the wrong the wrong question, though. Yeah. Or how many teams would rather have LaMarcus Aldridge than Gordon Hayward? No teams. Yeah, I would say probably not, but you're, they're factoring injuries in when you when they give a shit. And, uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Ben Simmons to be right between Bradley Beal and Gordon Hayward seems like, look, uh, Golliver has a crush on Chris Middleton, which I think is why Middleton is so high. So, but do, so do I, by the way. I like Chris Middleton. Oh, really? Do you know, on, on a very early right Ricky Sanchez, we argued about Chris Middleton versus Hollis Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder which <laughs> side of the argument I came on. Probably the, probably the correct one. Let's leave it at yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. We take a break from this right Ricky Sanchez podcast to talk about what is happening five days now from today. Dario is coming over the live Ricky at the former Electric Factory. Mm. It, it is not called the Electric Factory anymore, except for us. We are still calling it the Electric Factory. Are we the last show at the Electric Factory? Let's not call the Electric Factory anymore. But we would be if we keep calling it that. If it were it still called the Electric Factory, If we yes, keep calling yes. it that, then thus we are the last show at the Electric Factory. Yeah, that is Saturday night. Dario Saric will join us on stage. The I as as happens normally about five days out. I have gotten very stressed out, but also very excited. As uh, like I just think the the uh, like all of the little nonsense we are doing during this thing is going to be awesome. Obviously, Dario Saric will be there. We will have a long interview with Dario up on stage. We have, as you announced last week, we have a fake Bill Simmons intro to the pod. So make sure you get in your seats. We have Felicia Ricci, Philadelphia singer, singing Eliza Hardy-Jones' process version of Imagine. If you are at the lottery party or listen to our post-lottery party pod, that is there. That will be pretty epic, I think. We'll have the uh, induction speeches for the Process Hall of Fame. Mike, you are doing the one for the pick swap. Oh, it's going to be good. I am doing the one for Joel Embiid. And um, I think later on in this podcast, we will announce who is doing the, the one for, uh, for the hinky billboard. 
Um, am I forgetting any? Oh, uh, two people will be selected randomly from the crowd to sit on stage on Big Barker dog beds <laughs> and watch the show from the stage. Normal stuff? Yep, totally normal stuff. And uh, just uh, Coded by Kids, Providence Animal Center will both be in-house for your interaction and donations. We will have the hinky billboard there, Mike. Thank you to our friends at Xfinity Live for lending that to us. The hinky billboard will be there. You can take your picture. Not billboard. The hinky uh, banner. The hinky banner. That'd be fun. The hinky retirement banner. The, the whole there. billboard uh, taking up most of the stage? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the hinky banner will be there uh, for you to take pictures with. And we will have the limited edition Dario posters designed by Ter- uh, Tanner Lowry autographed by Dario. There will only be 200 of them. They will be for sale right at the merch booth right when you walk in. And I want to give a special thanks to Rich, who helped us out at Underground Arts putting on the shows. And Rich is uh, because I was so needy to the Electric Factory people, they basically just handed it off to Rich huh. and said you do it. So, Deal with them. <laughs> so yeah, so now Rich is, uh, Rich is doing it. So it's exciting to be able to do the the, the live Ricky at a, a legendary venue like this. And we're looking forward to a lot of fun. I'm really pumped about it. Uh, no yeah. one, no one I talked to can believe that that or why the electric factory FKA has allowed us to do it there, but yep. we're going to take advantage and we're going to have a good time. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, Oh, the doors open at six 30 show starts at eight promptly get there at six 30. So we can all hang out. There'll be some colony mead sold at the, uh, at the, uh, at the bar. So, uh, and it is all ages. This is the first live Ricky. That is 1 million percent all ages. There's alcohol being served, but it is all ages. Yeah, so very excited about that. Rights to Ricky Sanchez.com for tickets. Now back to the podcast. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like twenty six is good. I look forward to him. Yeah, I you know if if we're asking the question going forward, who would you rather have? I'd probably rather have Ben than a lot of these guys. I'd rather have him than John yeah. Wall. I'd rather have him than Lowry. I'd rather have him than Lamarcus. I'd rather have him than Jokic. Yep, probably more than Kyrie. Like I'm going through it, and like I think it's good company. I think it's you know I think it's to me it's probably the the lowest you could have him that I'm still happy with it. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And it and, is impressive, as you said, for a oh, second-year player to be 26. What was that? It is impressive, as you said, for the, a second-year player to be 26. Yeah, of course. I mean, there's only 30 teams, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's... So next, we have Joel Embiid at 9. That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. Which is awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, is it... Oh, the Eagles just ran such a dumb play. Oh, my God. Uh... It, I'm, I'm not going to argue for, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. He could be one. He could be, it, nine could be crazy high. But just for him to be in the single digits is uh, just another rung in the validating ladder I've been climbing up the last two years. Yeah. I So at nine, he has Rudy Gobert at 14, Draymond Green at 13, Kawhi Leonard, obviously, with the question marks at 12. In that he uses injuries and question marks when he he feels appropriate. <laughs> Eleven is Paul George. Ten is Jimmy Butler. Then right ahead of Embiid, we have Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Anthony Davis at five. I I, I know you'll think I'm just. By the way, Al Horford is at sixteen, um, ahead of Carl Anthony Towns. I believe Al Horford um, ranked ahead. 
the all NBA Kevin O'Connor's all NBA team over uh, over Embiid, or is it All Star starter? All Star starter. Okay, that's why he is banned. By the way, uh, at the live Ricky, I know for a fact two. I'm not saying who. Two of those who are banned will be in the building for the live Ricky. I'm going to leave that up as a mystery to everyone, but two people will be. I think I think I know one. I don't think I know the other one. Giannis is at six. I look. Um, I am fine with Embiid being at nine. That's awesome. Yeah. And to your point, he he could. Be. And honestly, even cracking top five, you're talking about LeBron, Durant, Curry, Harden, Davis, right? So, I assume, and they do take health into account. I don't think, assuming they play a similar number of games, there's no world in which Giannis is better than Joel Embiid. He, there just isn't. And I like, and I also don't think he's better than Chris Paul. And I also don't think he's better than Paul George. And I also don't think he's better than Kawhi Leonard. Hmm. Um, there is, here's, here's the one question I will bring up about Giannis that I sent an angry text to Sharp one morning about. Can you think of another player on, can you think of a player on a really good team who is not good at, not, not like pl- a plus creator for others and not at least an average shooter, um, like who has the usage rate that Antetokounmpo has? He doesn't, he is not particularly effective off ball, at least yet. He cannot shoot and he is a okay passer and he dominates the ball. And that is, like I, I, I said once that he's like the, the 6'10 Russell Westbrook. Uh, at least Russell Westbrook can kind of shoot threes a little bit. I, Giannis, I think, until he figures out one of those things or until, and maybe this is the year with uh, that joyless hump uh, Budenholzer as the coach, maybe this is the year they find a different role for him other than like go get a bucket or, or try to draw a double team, double team on a drive. I just think... I don't. He is too raw to be right next to Anthony Davis in this ranking, to me. He's really good. I know. I know he mm-hmm. can't really shoot, but he's really good, and he's he doesn't even get credit for how good of a rebounder he is. He's. I do think he's a good passer, uh, and I do think that being on a a better coach team will uh, help that and make that more obvious. Um, this is only the first year that he broke 30 on the usage rate. So it's not like he's through the roof all the time. Um, I really like Giannis. I know you don't. I'm, I'm more well, with you on, I, it's more not with that you on like him. than I am than I am on Giannis. It's not that I don't like him. Like the, the don't like him part is for show. The, he, I, I think he gets credit for being what, think, what people project him to be sometimes. He clearly, if he figures one of those things out – between his physical tools, he he is a um, he is a determined player. Like he he seems to have a like that that sort of like um, drive in him when he's in there to succeed. Mm-hmm. All of those things are great, but uh, he is he is further away from being as good as as I think people say he is. Is my point? Maybe I think maybe. Um. So we'll do. We got two things left, and we we have Andrew Underberger here. So we'll do the Sam Hinkie side projects first, and then the Jimmy Butler trade stuff first. Andrew Underberger, of course, writes for Rights to Ricky Sanchez dot com. He writes in the the uh, the section of the website titled "If Not, Pick Will Convey" as two second rounders. 
He is brought to you as always by our friends at Kinetic Skateboard Shop in Wilmington, Delaware. Locally owned, process trusting, your only place that you need to go for skateboard gear. Lots of t-shirts, shorts, hats, and sneakers, including hard-to-find Vans, Nikes, Converse that you won't get anywhere else. They have these sweet Kelly Green Vans uh, you can see up on their Instagram right now that I thought about buying. And then I remembered I was 42. Use promo code DAVESILVER for 9.1% off your your first order at KineticSkateboarding.com. AU, how you doing, buddy? Doing all right. I, I still never get tired of, of the anticipation of you struggling through the name of the blog. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> That's, I, I thank you guys, both of you, for that. That was your creation. I, of course, yeah. I, I left the naming to you and Mike, and that's what where we ended up. So I can't even say it. I've been, yeah. We've had it for months, and I can't even say it. So yeah, well, Sam Whatever Hickey got us sends, here. Yeah. <laughs> Sam Hinkie sends out a – let me give some people some context. Sam Hinkie sends out a tweet and to, to his uh, – link to his website and saying that he's working on some side projects and is looking for anyone who wants to be involved in any of these side projects. Those projects without uh, – we'll get into some of the descriptions in a bit – are best books, explainer videos, slider bars for auto compression, instant editors – faster videos on mobile phones, uh, pagination, pagination, I don't even know what that word is, email, lend a legend a hand, learning APIs, and the always famous personal assistant type things. AU, I cede the floor to you. Mm. Yeah, all right. Uh, So let me start by by clarifying that I I personally find technology and innovation and and the discussions relating to technology and innovation uh, fairly boring. Uh, like I, I, I'm not a total luddite. I, I don't think like, like I know that technology is like a cool and necessary thing, and sometimes it's interesting, I guess. But like I, you know, there's people out there that have like you know emotional connections to people like Steve Jobs, like people like really actually like very saddened by by his death, and and, and they, they they feel like technology in a, in a very personal way that I just can't relate to in the slightest. Like especially as it relates to to like arts and, and sports and entertainment, like. Like it's it's cool and it's necessary, but it's just not what does it for me. Uh, so I, I was reading that list of, of the Sam Hankey side projects, and I, I started to get like upset in a way that I didn't quite understand, or, or I, I, I certainly didn't see coming. Uh, and I, I think it goes back to like like there's the scene uh, in the HBO documentary, the series of the Defiant Ones, you know, the one about uh, Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre, where they've gotten to the the, the portion of the story that. Uh, that centers around the Dr. Dre Beast by Dre headphones. Uh, and everyone who's interviewed for the movie is talking about, you know, how great they were and how, like, what, what a brilliant innovation it was. And, you know, uh, you know, Jimmy and Dr. Dre do it again. Like, like every, everyone's like super happy about it. And then they cut to Eminem, who's, you know, not often a, a source of, of needed wisdom and perspective. But in this case, he, he says, uh, like he basically says like, yeah, headphones are great, but uh, where's that new Dr. Dre album? Like, I don't, I don't give a fuck about headphones. Who cares about headphones? Like I want a new Dr. Dre album. Uh, and that's sort of how I feel about this hinky thing. Uh, it's, you know, it, it, it was fun at first, you know, when, uh, you know, there'd be those stories about, uh, you know, the, the profiles of him in Sports Illustrated or whatever, and there'd be the stories about him, you know, having his watch alarm that reminds him at the end of every hour to contemplate the events of the past hour, uh, stuff like that, like those little personality quirks and, and little kind of side ideas he had going. Uh, but it was really only fun for me while it was still in the context of the discussion of him as a basketball figure, uh, and specifically, obviously, the GM of the Sixers. Uh, without that, like, 
all, all the talk of like the importance of pagination about learning APIs, like it, it just comes off as kind of kind of lame to me. Uh, and, and like it's also just a little bit more approachable than I'm comfortable with from Sam Hankey. Uh, like the, like the, the the website starts with the. Like the he says, uh, I'm always hunting for interesting people to work with on fun side projects, and that I don't know it's it's a little sales pitchy, it's a little like substitute teachery. Uh, uh, it, it just I don't know, I, I, I'm not feeling it. And like like he shouldn't actually listen to me about any of this. Uh, really, really nobody should. But uh, yeah, because you know whatever. Like he he has interest beyond basketball. He's clearly a very smart guy. Like he he sh- he should go off and do whatever else he wants to do. Uh, but as a Sixers fan and as generally as a Sam Hinkie acolyte, it's just kind of a bummer because it, it takes away a little bit of the specialness of, of what it was like to have him in the NBA and to have him on the Sixers. Uh, it, it, seeing him in this kind of all-purpose mold, it just, I don't know, it, it feels like uh, the basketball thing was just a means to an end, I guess. Uh, and, and now he's just going to kind of spread his, his general brilliance into the world. And that's cool, and then and it might lead to some like genuinely useful innovations and stuff that makes differences in people's lives or something. But uh, that, that's just uh, this is not what I'm interested in as relates to Sam Hankin. It made me realize that like as as fun as some of those early sightings were, when you would kind of unexpectedly pop up on Twitter, or, you know, they're just kind of be you know, like a Hinky sighting in the wild, and it was it was it was kind of had that Bigfoot factor of like wow, like like Hinky lives, he exists, that's crazy. Uh, I realized that I don't actually want to know anything about him uh, outside of basketball. <laughs> Uh, and I'm not really interested in hearing what he does next. And I hope he, whatever he does, he's very successful at it, but that it gets not much attention and that I don't have to hear about it much. Uh, and I'm also just kind of worried about, like, I don't think this will happen, but there's at least like a slight chance that he becomes kind of a, like a, like a tech personality. Like that like he starts showing up on Twitter a lot, like offering his takes on various subjects in the news and things going on. Uh, and like, like the idea of having him like, have his own shark tank or, or, or just just kind of be a media presence that that's that's like a regular thing i find really disconcerting uh and it, it kind of demystifies the whole thing and i don't like it and I, I don't want to be one of those like stick to basketball guys like by all means don't stick to basketball do do whatever clearly you have skills and you're good at other things but like i don't, I don't know what, what, what do you guys think like does, does, does him as the all-purpose business innovator like take away the fun of him as a basketball genius yeah this is i think the so much fucking lamer than his re- uh, re- retirement letter. Yeah. The the retirement letter was like, here's why I'm leaving. Here's all this stuff. This is just like, dude, what the fuck? Come on. Yeah. And like, even, even the want, name of the You want someone to help is, you on email? You want people to, <laughs> hey, help me on email. Innovators. Shut up. Come on. I don't think he's ever coming back to the league. I think this is it. I think this, this email is a cry for help. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is... This is, I'm looking for people to, it's like, you know, it's the guy who did, uh, what's his name? Like Peter Dow, who did the Verit, whatever, like the truth, truth journalism. Do you know what I'm talking about? Not a clue, but sure. It's no. it's like political, it's like a political thing. It was, it was uh, incredibly lame and stupid. Uh, and this is just, <laughs> it's just like, dude, we don't need it. I don't need this. I think, I think your point about him being too accessible is absolutely right. It's like, just just be you can i mean obviously be smart he's a smart guy have interest do this stuff but to be to do it so public facing and such like a hey come give me your ideas right way it's just ah man i yeah, i don't it, even want to talk it, about it, it, it. Like, like, i saw i saw the thing feel, i was just like i'm out it, it, it feels like it a setup sort of, for the next thing and it just makes me realize how little interest i have in whatever the next thing ends up being yeah oh god yeah i'd rather hear his like he, a broncos analysis 
<laughs> the the uh, it, I could think of a million metaphors, but the two that come to mind are the the worst part to me isn't that he says things like this; it's that he says things like this, and the people that exist that told us that that had the image of him as like this, and we were like, no, he's just a smart guy. Yeah. And they were like, no, he's crazy. And this is sort of like if everyone, like if you had a weird friend that everyone's like, yo, man, I don't know. I think he's probably caught, you know, probably killing animals on the side. And <laughs> you're like, no, he's normal. And then all of a sudden the guy leaves and they go into his apartment and there's like rat skins lined up in the, the closet and you're like, shit, everyone else is right. The, um, this and, asking for help on email is definite rat skins in your closet. Yes, come on. And then asking for help on email, it's like, come on, buddy. You're doing this project? Like, come on. Like, you know, I fucking you're a, a, and I like Elon Musk but let's like you're fucking a small step away from, from it's, it's bad it's the, yeah, these like yeah. tech tech bro type people that are like just it's just poison it's just all so lame just, it's all so like he's just we're helping just, the world by asking for <laughs> pagination here's the thing get a job and, and I mean that <laughs> oh, I, that sucks I, I mean that so genuinely is that I've been around people who had a job and then don't have a job, but have enough money to not go get a job. Right. And I have interests. Like, yeah, like here's here's the thing that's good. I know we like not all of us love our jobs. Right now, we are three people who I think find some of our passion in our jobs. Right. I mean, Mike, as sure. a writer, I believe you're passionate about it. I've, I believe that you feel uh, fulfilled creatively in a lot of ways from that. That would be my guess. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, AU, you enjoy writing about music, enjoy writing about sports. I, I think like this is not like you're working at a rent-a-car place or something. Like you, you, you find personal. Um, so I don't say get a job in that uh, you, he needs like something to like take his time. But he needs to focus his energy toward like fucking something like i got news for you solving the email problem is not a side project sam uh nor is searchable video or slider bars from from auto compression what the fuck is lend a legend a hand do, do you know what a fucking <laughs> side project is this and this, this podcast and this is already <laughs> way too much for any side project, you cannot solve these problems. Listen to this. Yeah, if you're going to be so douchey about something and ma and be so public facing and being like, "Hey, here I am," like, collaborate with me. It should be about like things that will actually help the world, like homelessness, Ooh. like like disaster relief, and how to get better at that, like climate change. Like, do those kinds of things. Don't just like be like, "I'm trying to get better at email." Here's I got a twenty million dollar grant. yeah like, the, the, the other thing the other thing Go that ahead. concerns me is uh like you, you mentioned elon musk and like the twitter turn on that guy was like very quick and very dramatic and you know and there were reasons for that uh and it's 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 fair but like i don't want to i don't want sam hinky to be public enough that he starts doing things that that verge on the problematic and then like we have to feel kind of one way about defending him and it kind of 
paints the whole thing, and now, now he just becomes douchebag millionaire guy to the millions of people that don't care about the Sixers. Oh, and, terrible. Yeah, it, it, it's there's just too many paths to disaster here, and I would really love it if he just kind of didn't do this again. <laughs> All right, can we? Can we know, not talk, it's making me sad. Can we not talk about that? <laughs> last thing? Last thing. One one of the things that I said early in the podcast when we were talking about the JJ Reddick podcast, and I, I believe it fully, is that there are very few people, ourselves included, that are that seem better the more that we talk. And you, you know, you wonder what got Elon Musk into trouble. It you you can like I think some of the things that people have flipped out on him for, like as being problematic, are, are probably not what he meant. There, but he just keeps talking, and and it do, it basically helps nobody. Here is the two, a quick two lines from the best books section of Sam's website. Surfacing the very best book would be a delight machine. Someone should build a someone Good should Lord. build a real personalized recommendation system and marketplace where we could buy summaries, annotations, and takeaways or other companion elements for reading alongside people we respect. What the fuck is a delight machine? That's crazy. Don't a, say that. Oh, I love it. He's spending his time Iconic. around these people too much, and he's becoming one of them, and he needs to just, like, go back to Oklahoma for, like, a little bit. Just, like, spend a week there and be like, yeah. oh, right, okay, all right, that's enough. Just, like, be, fucking, be a human being. I, this is not human I, being behavior. Get out of Silicon Valley. Holy shit. Wait, I, he's here writing about book delight machines, and we're fucking. We're, we're like, is Mark Eversley the GM? Is Ned Cohen the GM? <laughs> like, there was never a more perfect. We need a GM. He's bored as shit. Just <laughs> get down here. The fuck? Yeah. You can even do it from Palo Alto. Like, come on. Let's stop this. Jerry did it from Phoenix, and it worked great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the last thing we have is, uh, and, and AU, I don't know what your schedule is. You're welcome to, to stick around for this. Is, right, cool. uh, is, uh, is Jimmy Butler apparently uh, still unhappy and going to have a meeting with, with uh, Thibs, even though Thibs did add Luol Deng, which should have satisfied any problem that Jimmy Butler had. Uh, he <laughs> seems like he's not happy there. Um, he is on the last year of his contract, and Sixers Twitter erupts with trade suggestions. Now, Jimmy Butler theoretically would not be a bad fit. I will let Mike. I will let you first uh, off. I've made my opinion about Jimmy Butler pretty apparent before, but I have a, a, a spicier take on that. Mike, would you like to go first? Yeah, I mean, I think what we were talking about earlier is that there's just not that many guys that are available uh, that they weren't available mm-hmm. this year, and if in terms of guys that become available uh, next year and in the future. Uh, the fact that he's seems to be able to get got, uh, Matt Carey was talking about on Twitter, like that, that, that bumps him up the rankings a little bit. I, I don't think he's a perfect fit. I don't think that, uh, obviously, he's pissed guys off everywhere he goes, but uh, he's also been coached by Tibbs pretty much everywhere, right? Yes. So, I don't know. Maybe Brett can mellow him out. I don't know. I, I mean, he's really good, and he's and he'd make this team really, really good. Uh, and I think if we got him, we'd have to trade for him. So it would it would cost something. But I think depending on the trade, Simmons and Bead Jimmy Butler is, I think, better than what Boston's got. So 
I don't know. It'd be nice to have them, but uh, I do worry still about the personality stuff. Hey, you. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard your your general feelings on Butler, and I, I, I you know, I'm looking forward to your to the spicy version of that. But uh, I think while while that's like like that's well founded, the uh, this the, the stuff about him not being a great locker room guy and him maybe uh, ca- ca- causing or at least being constantly surrounded by drama wherever he goes is fair. But I, I do think that yeah, you get him away from Tibbs, get him away from like his his like perpetually joyless teammates, both in Chicago and Minnesota. And it may, you know, maybe he was part of the reason for that joylessness, but I, I, don't, I don't see him overpowering Embiid from a personality standpoint. I just don't see how that'd be possible. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I think it could be kind of a best of both worlds situation in Philadelphia. I, I, I would, I, I, you know, I, I'd, I'd want a little bit of the season to play out first and then, you know, see what we have with Fultz probably first before talking about trades. Cause I imagine any trade for Butler would, Probably at least you know at least mention faults, and he might end up having to be included in it. I, I don't I don't know if that's a must yet, but uh, yeah, I, I would be open minded about a, a Jimmy Butler trade in midseason. I think that'd be a great like trade deadline deal for him. He is on the last year of his deal. Uh, you know the thing about faults is I think if he is worth anything in the trade, I wouldn't trade him. And like I think it's in this spot where I don't think he has very much value in terms of trade value yet. And if he does have trade value, it means that he's good. Right. We've been talking and, about that for a while. Yeah. So I, I don't I, – I, the Fultz thing I sort of put out of my mind. Here, here is the, the spiciest version of, of my take on this, and I believe this truly. If anyone believes that Jimmy Butler, who, by the way, has said several times that he believes that he should be the point guard on a team, and this was on a team that had Derrick Rose on the time at the time. Good Derrick Rose. Uh, Derek, what's that? Good Derek Rose. Good Derek Rose. If anyone thinks Jimmy Butler, who thinks he should be the point guard, who uh, who doesn't think anyone works hard enough except for him, will coexist on a team in the final year of his deal with Hollywood fucking Ben Simmons and uh, Mr. Twitter Joel Embiid, like all these guys with all these other side interests that, by the way, are more famous than Jimmy Butler and, by the way, will demand the ball if more, more than Jimmy Butler. And, and also, I, you know, Jimmy Butler is a really talented guy on, on, on offense and defense, but not a wonderful fit with Simmons on the court. You're crazy. There's no way it will work here. It will not work. There's just no chance. If, if you want to, if, if this is what I would say, if you want to trade for Jimmy Butler and re-sign him, that's fine. But like then trade Simmons or something, because I don't think Simmons and uh, Butler, but like, I, I know you said like maybe Brett chills him out, but at a certain point in your life, you sort of are who you are. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy Butler is almost 30 years old. He's been a just south of a malcontent everywhere he is there's always been issues he's always going to be that way and unless they had a remarkably strong clubhouse that already has guys that are cemented as better than him i would not want him and they don't have that yet so like i know obviously i i would take the sixers guys in Embiid and simmons over uh carl anthony towns and andrew wiggins for sure but he just like marched in there and made everyone miserable uh, and I don't want him to do it here. So you can have Jimmy Butler, certainly for a trade, and certainly trading 
anything of value for him. You know, I would not trade. I know people are going to say, I wouldn't trade Robert Covington for him. Absolutely not. Not with, with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. I'd rather have Covington. Mm. I just, he's younger. He's, he's getting paid ha- a third as much probably next year. Butler's going to make $30 million next year. Give me Covington. I just, um, no thanks. That would be my Do, my do you think Jimmy Butler is more of a cantankerous guy than Chris Paul? Um, yes. Um, hmm. I think the only thing that I would think evens it out with Chris Paul, who, by the way, was placed with a, t- with a star as clearly as good and revered as him. So it's a little different. Uh, the only difference with Paul is that on the court, he gets everybody buckets. And we were talking earlier about whether Embiid and Simmons like need to be friends, but if they are able to complement each other on the court, that will that will sort of replace some of that. I don't know that Butler is coming in and like getting Embiid buckets or helping Ben Simmons become better. So his his cantankerousness, um, I think, is is uh, I don't know has is is less acceptable than than Chris Paul's is. Okay. He's also he's also never played on a team that's already there, you know. Like the the, the Sixers, may, you know, maybe their guys aren't proven superstars on a level above him. Although you know, Embiid did finish higher than him on the on that SI list. Uh, but like the, the Sixers, they're they're already a made team, basically. I mean, they're they're missing a piece, but they you know they won fifty plus games. They made the second round of the playoffs. Like he's never just kind of slotted into a team like that before. So I I, I feel like we're maybe overstating just the kind of like hurricane impact he'll have on the Sixers franchise. I think, I think he'll come in, he'll be a complimentary player and he'll be really good. I, I, I would, I would definitely trade Robert Covington for him. Yeah. It, it might just be as simple as go get a guy who's good. And it, I, I tend to be, I tend to want to be like, let's wait for the perfect thing. Let's make sure this is like everything fits and everybody's happy and it all works out together. But sometimes you just need more. The, the Celtics beat, the Sixers last year because they had more guys that are really good and uh, the Sixers could use another guy who's really good and depending on what it, what it would cost you might just have to say like alright we'll figure out the rest alright um, well I thank you both we will have a uh, another pod in the middle of this week the live Ricky is on Saturday night Writes to rickysanchez.com. Dario is coming over. I have to go visit Dario the middle of this week to get him to autograph all those posters, um, which is very exciting, which will be available at the live Ricky. So um, On Wednesday, I, also- I want to announce one of the uh, one of the guests. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, which, well, all right, obviously. <laughs> well, I, I, I can't ask you on pod which one because that will sort of blow. So we will announce that on Wednesday, mm-hmm. on Wednesday, on Wednesday's pod. AU, I thank you. AU had a column this week on the pick swap. And coming up this coming week, we'll have a column on the hinky billboard as he uh, writes about all of the Process Hall of Fame inductees. When I say all of them, I mean all three. <laughs> Wish I had more to write about, but these have actually been really fun. I, I've, I've enjoyed yeah. getting to kind of canonize these moments that nobody else has ever bothered to canonize before. So it's, it's been cool. Well, we're canonizing them now, all three of them at the library. <laughs> Just three of them. Can't wait. All right. Uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Uh, Mike, are you down with TTP? Yeah. You know the like face. We 
other murderous pair. That with the jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have pile of the push. Now I smoke pounds of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Get done. I'm in a rush to be numb. Dropping a thousand ain't much. Come from the clouds on a missile to turn.